What am I to do? Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hey, y'all. If you didn't think you had enough of me last week, well, guess what? We're back. Welcome to the Razor Branding Podcast. We have survived and recuperated after our all-day podcast marathon where we featured some of the most amazing nonprofit organizations throughout the area that are doing such incredible work in spite of these pandemic times and sometimes because of these times, and obviously they all have needs. So back with us today are two amazing organizations that I cannot wait to talk to because you talk about making the world a better place. So I'm going to welcome Amber Robinson and Patty Holland with the Bayou Vermilion Preservation Association and the Tesh Project. Project. Y'all, that's a mouthful. Yes. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us. Thanks for being here. Okay, so I haven't done two guests before, so this is going to be really cool in different places like y'all are with two different organizations. So slow your roll. We're going to do one at a time. So Amber, you go first. Talk to us a little bit about who you are, your organization, what you do, and then we'll let Patty have a turn. Absolutely. So um, as JC mentioned, we uh, I represent the Bayou Vermilion Preservation Association. And a few years ago, when the organization was founded back in 2013, we, we came up with this sort of nifty handout. So I figured I'd use that as a guide to talk about who we are, what we are, and why we do it. So we're made up of a, a group of concerned citizens, outdoor enthusiasts, community leaders, professionals, educators, students, um, you name it. If you care about the environment and want to protect it for generations to come, um, you're probably a member of our organization. Um, and we're a nonprofit, 501c3, uh, founded back in 2013. Uh, and it all started with a garden club meeting. Some folks um, gave a presentation about water quality at the meeting. And uh, there was our founders, Charlie and Jan Wyatt, had moved down from Texas, went to the meeting, and sort of started organizing with a couple of other um, really renowned environmental uh, philanthropists, Sarah Scheffler, Harold Scheffler, um, and Babette, and basically, uh, you know, started this organization, um, 2014. Um, and we really have come together to improve water quality, quality, advocate for conservation, promote education, and promote recreation. And um, basically, we want to leave the campsite, um, as Charlie once said, leave the campsite um, better than the way we found it, right? Um, and we want to do that through the partnerships that we have with other conservation interest groups. Um, and we want to do that by advocating to the general public, you know, these things so that they can take ownership. Because oftentimes when you take ownership of something, you want to protect it, right? And so if you recreate on the water, if you live in the watershed, um, you have an interest and, and you should feel, you know, prompted to want to protect it. Uh, I have so many questions. So yeah. before I get into them, though, I want Patty to tell us a little bit about what they're doing over the TESH project, and then we can start to talk about how these two things work together. Sure. Okay. Um, the TESH project was founded as a nonprofit in 2010 by a group of citizens that wanted to clean Bayou TESH. It's grown into what we call the Tesh, Bayou TESH Renaissance. Um, we uh, have expanded our, our mission to basically uh, bring about awareness of Bayou Tesh for people living along the bayou and coming down to enjoy the bayou. Uh, it was once the uh, 
the focal point of Acadiana in that it was the transportation corridor way back in the settlement days. And so we're trying to bring back the focus to the bayou and away from the highway. And we're doing that by um, cleaning the bayou first. We've uh, picked up 54 tons of trash in 10 years. And uh, we're also doing environmental workshops, uh, partnering with, with groups like BVPA and um, doing these uh, bank line restoration projects. We developed uh, a bank line restoration guide. Um, so uh, that's on our website, teshproject.org. And um, we um, are the managers of the Bayou Trash National Paddle Trail, which is a national water trail. The only one in Louisiana, and there's only 21 in the country, national water trails that are off, um, uh, recognized by the Department of the Interior. And with that, we're getting grant funding. We're building this paddle trail that's going to have access docks for paddle boats in every town, 13 towns, I mean, 15 towns and 130 miles. Wow. So um, anyway, we're, we're busy, all volunteers, and uh, it's a great organization to be part of. It's member-based, so check us out. Okay, that's amazing. So Amber, let's go to, I know you each have events coming up. So let's talk about each of your events. And then I want to talk about kind of some overall missions and, and how we can make the world a better place. So Amber, tell us about the um, Reviving Resilient Landscapes uh, event. Yeah, so um, one of our, our events that we actually started a couple years ago, um, really, again, was prompted because a few of our members uh, wanted to plant more native plants along the Vermilion. Um, and that helps with stormwater management, that helps improve water quality, it brings about um, wildlife habitat. And so we had a bit of um, extra funds in our budget and decided to dedicate those funds to doing three um, bank line restoration projects. Uh, we did those one on private property and two others on um, public property. Wait, so for people who don't know um, the words you just said, although they're all English, those words strung <laughs> together, what's a bank line project? Because um, y'all both mentioned it. So tell me what yeah. that means. Yeah, so sorry about that. Yeah, That's bank, okay. a bank line is basically where water meets land, right? Okay. River um, bank, sure. Very, very simple. It could be a pond bank line. It could be a river bank line. Um, and oftentimes you'll you'll find, especially um, in, in the city, that our bank lines are covered in rock riprap or they're covered uh, or they don't have any plants. Maybe it's just lawn. Um, maybe they're being stabilized using uh, concrete. Uh, and so our interests are that, you know, we want to beautify and we want to uh, use native plants as a, a mechanism to slow down the flow of water, um, to slow down that erosion process that we find happening. Um, so basically coming up with a more low impact way uh, to, to, to deal with an, an erosion and water quality problem that, that uh, we've consistently seen in, in our bayous and our waterways. And, and Patty will get into that much more when she talks about the nuts and bolts of our workshop um, coming up in, in, uh, at the end of the month. But uh, so once we, uh, does that, that answers your question? Yes. Yes. Thank okay, you. Great. So, um, so we did those three projects. They were a really big success. Basically, the 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 lead-in was that we want, and I'm going to take this from one of our partners, uh, ANPP, Acadiana Native Plant Project. We educate, we demonstrate, and we propagate 
Um, so basically, we're educating the general public about these things that I just talked about during the workshops. Then we have a demonstration site that needs restoring. And so we actually can let them see the plants, um, touch the plants, learn how to plant the plants. Um, and then we plant them, right? And, and, uh, and so the next level of that came about a year ago. We wanted to do it again. We didn't have the funds, so we applied for a grant through the HDR Foundation. Um, and unanimously, we were chosen by their grant giving committee because they thought this was such a neat idea um, for outreach and education. So um, that was about a year and a half ago. We developed a series of workshops from the $14,000 that we were awarded, um, eight, eight workshops all together, five bank line restoration projects, um, which included one project in each parish within the vermilion piece of the watershed, and then three urban plantings, um, which we joined forces with Trees Acadiana. I'm going to plug so them as well. I don't come and plant these trees in my front yard. I specifically plant them in certain places along the waterway. That's right. Or like like I was getting to, we, we decided to do three urban tree plantings as well, which is still within the, our watershed, right? So just because you're planting plants um, not along a bank line doesn't mean you're helping contribute to the improvement of water quality and um, stormwater management. Uh, so we planted a, a, a bunch of trees at three sites within the city of Lafayette, Neyland Park, Acadiana Park, and uh, Freetown community. Um, all three sites just needed some beautification. So we went out there and partnered with Trees Acadiana to do that. Um, and uh, Apache Corporation also donated some funds to help give out the trees. The last part, though, that we added to the series of workshops was that not only were they were we educating, demonstrating, and propagating, but we also were giving plants away so that the people, once they you know, our general, we call it a watershed community, right? So once they understood, you know, what they needed to do, then we could send them home with plants so that they could do the same on their own patch of grass at home and plant a seed, right? You know, plant a seed and hopefully get them to pass that seed on to their friends and their family and, and understand, you know, that, that this is a little thing that we can all do. You don't have to be, you know, at the top of your government or working for an agency, government agency to, to help our environmental issues. You can be at home and, and do something as small as plant a tree. So um, that that's that's kind of where it stemmed from and, uh, you know, where we were going. We have two workshops left. We've done six of the eight already. Um, the pandemic was a little difficult to navigate. As a result, we had to do one workshop virtually, which we partnered with Patty and the Tesh Project on. Um, so there was a learning curve there because we, you know, weren't necessarily used to that technology. And but um, we were still able to give away plants. So we were still able to, to give away information online. And, and, you know, that was that was the key. So, yeah, I'll I'll pass it off to Patty because I know we want to plug the upcoming workshop in Bro Bridge and all the great information she's going to share with folks there. Patty, take it away. Okay. All right. Our, our, our next workshop is in Brobridge at a, a park in the center of town called Parc des Ponts de Pont Bro. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it's uh, the park of the bridges. And um, anyway, it uh, we have, it's one of the trailheads for the Bayou Tesh Water Trail. We have a nice trailhead facility there. And <coughs> excuse me. Um, 
we're going to go behind the trailhead facility, uh, plant along the edge of that in like the terrace area, which is the higher bank. And then we're going to come down the bank and plant in the wetland zone and uh, where the erosion area is and uh, put in native vegetation in there to uh, beautify that area and make it self-maintaining. Um, you, okay. you do new projects with native plants and you don't have to continue to do maintenance. You just let it go. Low maintenance. I love yeah. that. So we have links in the comments to both events for people that can go and sign up uh, to the Reviving Resilient Landscapes um, event and then also the TeshProject.org um, for all the things you have coming up. Um, ultimately, you know, I, I'm captured by a couple of thoughts. One, when I think about beautification, my mind goes to litter pickup. And we talked to Katie sure. Dupre with uh, Parish Proud last week about the litter challenges, especially in our waterways. But I also think about the fact that, you know, we're at the bottom of this massive Mississippi waterway. And I've been to the top of the Mississippi um, and have stood in the Mississippi River where it is, oh, I don't know, six or eight inches deep and it's perfectly clear. And I've walked <laughs> downstream to where it's a foot or two feet deep and still perfectly clear. And I've gotten all the way up to my waist um, and still perfectly clear. Yeah. And I compare that to downriver here uh, where the Mississippi is not perfectly clear. So how much of this is stuff that we can actually do and control and help and fix? And how much of it is just because we captured the country's um, rain off, as it were? Okay, uh, you want me to take this, Amber? Um, yeah, you're welcome to. One of the things that we point out in our workshop is that what you're doing at your location helps um, mm. clean water, clean the waterway. It filters pollutants. Um, it does a lot of, of, of ecological benefit in that location. But what happens in your watershed many, many miles north, um, you know, in the watershed, um, and, and actually the test is tied to the Mississippi. So the Mississippi goes through the Atchafalaya, which goes through Bayou which goes into the Tesh, and then goes into the Vermilion. So all of our waterways are interconnected. Mm -hmm. Connected. And so what happens many, many miles upstream has an effect on the bayou downstream. Um, you can't do a whole lot about pollutants entering the stream, of, of course, uh, you know, upstream, but you can, through um, baseline restoration, help to purify that water as it mm -hmm. passes through your area and make it going downstream from there as a cleaner waterway. The siltation is... Um, you know, the muddiness, yes. that's just a fact of, of the sedimentation, um, structure, the structure of our bayous. We don't have a rocky bed. Uh, mm -hmm. Louisiana is deltaic. So um, we're, our land base is made up of fine silts and clays and stuff like that. So um, they pick up and they, they, they go through into the water with the, you know, so that's what makes it turbid and, and brown. And uh, we, we, we have known to love our brown water. <laughs> In fact, our, <laughs> we have an article with the test project called Brown Water Stories. But, uh, you know, it, that's just how it is here. So you don't see the, you know, through the water in, in South Louisiana because you have sedimentation. That's what builds South Louisiana. And if you have waterways that are restored properly, that sedimentation can do uh -huh. good and build land. And right. uh, so, you know, uh, you know, on a bigger level through coastal restoration efforts and stuff like that, you try and take that sediment load and do things that, that help um, build land and, and don't, um, you know, cause erosion. 
and the, the restoration work that we're doing minimizes erosion as well and filters pollution. Yeah, and, and if I might add, you know, environmental conservation shouldn't be done in a vacuum. Maybe I should say that. It's a, a comprehensive um, plan that has to be put in place. And if we all just threw our arms in the air and said, ah, oh, we can't do anything about it. It's all, you know, coming down on us anyway, then where would we be? You know, so it takes organizations like the Tesh Project and the Bayou Vermilion Preservation Association and, you know, the other, you know, local organizations that are advocating for this kind of thing uh, to go on within their watersheds and again plant a seed teach people educate educate children so that the children when they grow up they're teaching their kids and it's just so important i think that um we get the word out and you know information spreads and we do podcasts like this and we you know post information and you know a silver lining i think of the pandemic at least for bbpa i can't speak for tesh but was that it allowed us to really regroup and think about our message and how we get our message out through these uh new technologies like social media our websites uh podcasts um it gave us the time to think about those things you know because we had to postpone and cancel and um uh i, I really think that uh getting uh getting the message out which is a part of my mission a part of the tesh project's mission is so important um you know people can recognize the problems and do little things to help if we all do little things to help that can make a big difference, you know, where nothing's too small. That's I'll leave it with I'll leave it at that. Nothing's too small. Right. And so these events coming up obviously have a lot of benefit. You know, I, I think about the point that y'all are making. We can't do anything about what comes down river at us, but we can do a lot right here in our own That's backyard. Right. Mm -hmm. And so obviously these upcoming events can help a lot with that. Talk to me about the other organizations, because I know, you know, no man is an island, um, right? water pun intended. So I know this is, <laughs> this is a big group collaborative effort. Who are all the different organizations that y'all collaborate with to help achieve some of these goals? Uh, Pat, if you don't mind, I'll take that. Um, so yeah, we uh, we started out actually when we we applied for the grant. Trees Acadiana was sort of the the organization that we teamed with first. Um, they were looking to partner to do some tree planting, and we thought, well, let's you know let's do something similar to what we did last year, you know, but on a bigger scale. Um, invite more people and be able to give plants away. So Trees Acadiana, for sure, Sarah Scheffler is the president. Um, Acadiana Native Plant Project, that's where we get um, uh, source most of our plants. Uh, they're located out there in Arnoldville, right, Patty? They have a greenhouse mm -hmm. out there. Um, Lawrence Rosa is the president. Uh, he's also sits, he also sits on the board for BDPA. So we have a great working relationship with them. Um, we source our plants for the demonstration sites and we also source our plants for our giveaways and we also use them as our experts to design these landscapes. Um, so the one at Bro Bridge beautifully designed with these amazing native wetland um, 
and, and upland plants uh, that you'll see if you come out and join us. Uh, we also partner up with the local garden clubs, um, Abbeville and Lafayette Garden Club are, are two that we, we work with in particular on a few of these projects. Um, we worked with the Freetown Coterie. Um, they were the group who had a piece of property out in Freetown that was blighted, um, needed some work. The city came in and said they wanted to help out. And then they contacted us because they knew we were doing these workshops uh, to come in and do the planting after they cleaned up. There was some concrete and it, it just was a mess. Uh, and now Freetown gets to enjoy a little pocket park um, right there in their community along the railroad, which is really neat. Um, we partner with municipalities, obviously the city of Bro Bridge um, for sure is one um, that we're teaming up with on this next project. The city of Lafayette's been a huge um, advocate for, for us and, and, and working partner for us as well. Um, the soil and water conservation districts, which a whole lot of folks I think are unaware of uh, that we have available to us through the uh, Natural Resources Conservation Service, um, the Lafayette Soil and Water Conservation District and the Vermilion Soil and Water Conservation District um, really love the idea of doing this and outreach and education is a part of their mission as well. So they got involved, um, Bayou Vermilion District, um, which is our, our uh, local government, pseudo government agency who basically cleans the vermilion for us every single day. We pay a tax for it, but that's who's out there daily cleaning our waterways. They do an amazing job. So I, I have to I have to say BVD is someone that we partner with frequently. Um, even folks like Parish Proud, of course, Tesh Project, um, uh, federal and state government agencies like uh, Department of Environmental Quality, Louisiana Wildlife Federation, Louisiana Community Forestry Program. Um, I have to I have to plug this. Louisiana Community Forestry Program actually came on board with the RRL program later. They heard about what we were doing and offered us uh, grant money to uh, put in educational kiosks at each demonstration site. So this happened, you know, after we had received the HDR Foundation application uh, grant. And, and so we're gonna have these amazing, we're having um, someone design the graphics for it now, but it's gonna basically des describe each site, give some factoid about um, resiliency and watershed management and water quality. And it's basically gonna lead you to the next site. So it's gonna be a water trail, if I wanna call it that. Um, so take you from each site that we planted. Um, there'll be a QR code, so you'll, it'll, that'll take you to our website as well, where you can learn more about each site and what we did at each site. So um, just so many amazing partners who, you know, I can't even tell you um, how warm and fuzzy it makes me feel, you know, to think that everyone is so interested. There's so many people out there interested in um, this, this, uh, important thing for our generation, you know? So, um, yeah, I, the list goes on and on. I know I'm missing somebody, but um, yeah. that's, well, that's a good We have, uh, usually we have custodians at each one of these sites that's going to do the maintenance. Uh, I said yeah. they're self-maintaining, and they are, but in the short term, so you need to water the plants, sure. uh, kind of control weeds a little bit so that the plants can get a head start on things. Uh, we've had, um, you know, the garden clubs, as Amber mentioned, but also mm -hmm. the Boy Scouts have been. Boy Scouts, yes. Um, you know, uh, so local entities that come come forward to do that. Um, and then, um, 
not so much a partner in the Bankland Restoration, but a partner in conservation along Bayou's Vermilion and Tesh is the Tesh Vermilion Freshwater District. Yes, and, yes. Um, I mean, they're vital in that they're the ones that control the plumbing, basically. And uh, so, you know, they're, you know, in fact, right now we're about to have a hurricane. <laughs> it's about to, you know, take us out. And ahead of the hurricane, they um, draw the water down and they stop pumping. So that our bodies go down, um, and when they, we get the storm surge, it's not as bad as it, it, it could be. So we have some control and water level manipulations, and they're the ones doing that. So they make sure the fresh water's coming down and cleansing our bayou. Mm -hmm. So Patty, when you talk about turning the pumps off um, and changing the water levels, you know I, I'm not in any way knowledgeable on that subject. Explain to me how that works. I mean, they literally control the flow so that when we've got this tidal surge coming to this hurricane coming up the Vermilion, it'll have a place to absorb all that water to mitigate some of the flood potential? To some extent. I mean, you know, you can't control nature <laughs> completely, but uh, as we'd like to think we can. But uh, anyway, um, because the plumbing's been modified so much with the Mississippi mm -hmm. River control structures and, and the levees and floodways and all of that to allow for all the development that's happened down here in South Louisiana, um, we had to, you know, put in structures that are safeguards so that it will help and, um, and to make sure that we get the water flow down the bayous in the low water periods, but also to help out for flood control. So um, they have these massive pumps that are um, coming off the Atchafalaya River that pump into the Tesh Vermilion watershed and keep our flow going. Um, but they can also cut the pumps off. And so that's what they do ahead of, in advance of the storms. They cut the pumps off. We don't have the water flow and it, it draws the, the rivers down in advance of the storm. So it helps, as you said, um, provide some flood water storage when the storm surge comes up and the rivers start running backwards. It also helps with salinity too. I know Mr. Uh, Donald Segrera, uh, he's the, the director over there, um, who also serves on the board for BVPA, but he mentioned that recently after Laura, um, you know, flushing out the vermilion, whenever we get that backflow, that tidal surge of salt water um, can help our farmers with irrigation. You know, that's a big problem when we get these storm surges, that salinity, you know, changes everything. Um, it changes our fishing. Um, it changes our agriculture and the fresh water that we need to irrigate those those areas. So, yeah, there. I thank you for mentioning that, Patty. They're a um, a huge part of of kind of the watershed management that we portfolio, I guess, uh, that we have going on. Um, in the Tesh and Vermilion watershed. And if you don't mind, I'll mention this too. Um, so BVPA collaborates with the uh, Tesh Vermilion Freshwater District on a sampling, a water quality sampling program. Um, I believe, and we may have to fact check this, but I think it's 18 sites that they visit um, uh, monthly. And that's in conjunction with the city of Lafayette, um, uh, Tesh Fresh, uh, BVPA, the, the um, Tesh, Vermilion Freshwater District, um, UL, there's a few other entities. I think UL was the one that identified where the, the sites need to be. 
And then we've been collecting for, I don't know, th- probably four, four or five years. And DEQ has been closely monitoring to make sure that we're collecting these samples in a scientifically acceptable way um, that uh, is, you know, approved by our state government agency. So um, that's something else that uh, we do on a more scientific side regularly. And we have um, a boatload of data now uh, to kind of watch salinity, salinity levels, dissolved oxygen levels, um, so we can determine and, you know, fish kills, all that good stuff. So So I was able to attend a number of uh, neighborhood meetings and discussion groups around the dredging of the Vermilion. And I know this is way outside of what we were going to talk about today, but I'm curious, (laughs) do your organizations have a position on the dredging of the Vermilion? And if so, what is it and why? Patty, you want to go first? (laughs) I I, test project, we don't really have an official stance on the dredging of the Vermilion. I can say as a, a, a wetland ecologist and wildlife biologist for as my trade for, I worked for US Fish and Wildlife Service for 31 years and before I retired. And um, the, I, uh, the, I'm, I'm opposed to the dredging of Vermilion as a okay. solution. Um, you know, it, it's a, a short term gain. Um, most of our flooding issues, like I say, happen during these tropical events when the bayous are running backwards. If we dredge them and make them deeper, we make them better conduits for running backwards, saltwater intrusion, more flooding. You know, it, it really, it, it backfires, literally backfires, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so, uh, and then, you know, you don't want to, um, we're getting into a whole different realm of science, but hydrogeomorphic uh, characteristics of a bayou um, our bodies and flatlands are very sinuous. And as they go down with all that sediment, you have a cut bank and you have a building bank. And that if you have a natural system, it'll stabilize and you won't have erosion. Um, if you go in there and try and dredge a trapezoid channel right through the middle and get more flow in those areas, you upset that balance and you cause a, additional erosion and then you exacerbate the problem so really you need to let mother nature take its course when it comes to river dynamics and um you know w- because we have so much development it's hard for the bayou to stabilize itself and that's what we need to do is we need to step back into the watershed put more floodwater retention areas take away that flash flood input it comes off the developed areas like Lafayette and rushes into the Vermilion and Caves Banks and stuff like that. You need to have a place to slow that water down, restore the banks so that you have the vegetation Uh that also slows the water down. And um, Mother Nature then can take care of the problem. So that's to go, instead of dredging a river, you need to put in flood water retention. Retention, retention. Brings us full circle back to your events, right? Yes. That's what we're talking about doing. So tell us again for anybody who's just joining us about the events that y'all have coming up and how people can sign up. And I mean, what do we do? We show up with our shovels and our gloves. Like, how do we prepare ourselves to really be (laughs) helpful participants in these events? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's exactly what you should do. Bring some water, um, probably bring a mask, this, you know, pandemic. Sure. Uh, we are social distancing, but um, so, you know, wearing a mask is never, gonna, is never going to be discouraged. Um, but bring your tools. Yeah, if you have a shovel, if you have uh, a rake, we'll, we'll probably be doing some mulching as well. Um, so definitely a shovel and a rake um, and just good old manpower, um, some water, it should be a good time. Uh, you learn a lot. And Patty just, you know, kind of gave you a, a quick synopsis of some of the things that you'll learn about. River dynamics is is one thing for sure that she's going to talk more about during the workshop. So you'll get more details if you come. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, I think of Louisiana as sportsman's paradise. Um, and obviously we live off the land so much. We have still such a strong agricultural base. To me, it would seem like this would be one of our top priorities to preserve our state and our way of life, but it doesn't seem to get the attention that maybe it deserves. Am I misreading this or do we feel like there needs to be more awareness? Well, if you don't mind, Patty, I'll, I'll, I'll answer a little bit here. Um, I think we do as far as coastal restoration is concerned. I mean, it's a Louisiana is very well known across the country and I might even add across the world for what we're doing uh, in our master plan um, and and kind of combating that land loss, at least the rate of that land loss in the coastal areas. But I think that, you know, more inland areas, there isn't really a focus you know, for this kind of thing. Um, but I think after the 2016 floods, um, it, government agencies, state agencies, and, and if you're aware of the Louisiana Watershed Initiative, you'll know that, you know, it's finally becoming an issue. And um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, and dredging, you know, we were talking about dredging. Dredging is one thing, and I agree with Patty. I'm, I'm not speaking on behalf of BVPA. This is me as an environmental scientist saying, you know, it's it's a short-term fix, um, and we need a comprehensive plan. And that comprehensive plan might be citizen scientists like us planting native plants where we can, when we can. Um, you know, that dredging isn't going to fix fix our problem in its entirety we have to we have to work together we have to do these watershed studies watershed wide studies to figure out how we're impacting one another um and i think it's since 2016 we're, we're finally getting some momentum it's slow going i know it but um there's finally a voice to to the problems we're facing um more inland so patty i don't know if you have anything to add to that no i would agree with everything you said so and, you know, it, it, it is a it's a multifaceted approach that you know even the small multidisciplinary projects too small. I mean, it, every little thing you do can help. Multidisciplinary right. too. You know, we can't just biologists and botanists can't be the only people with a voice um, here. You know, we need engineers. We need uh, social. We need. Um, I, I mean, we we need social cultural folks. You know, involved. We need um, academics. We need private private sector, we need state and federal government agencies, we need everyone on board. Um, and this isn't just a, a Tesh Vermilion watershed issue. This is a national issue we're facing. You know, this is big stuff. People all over, I work for an engineering firm, people all over the country are being faced with these flooding issues, these storm issues, these climate change, change issues. 
Um, and, and we're finally all banding together and, and kind of trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to combat this? Um, and these, you know, one-stop shop fixes we're learning, you know, are, aren't going to, aren't going to do it. Right. So you are both signed. Oh, sorry. Something as simple as putting, um, you know, permeable pavement into your yard, you know, into your development and, you know, reducing the concrete you know, mm -hmm. can help with, with the, the amount of flow and, and get water to go back into the, and recharge your aquifers instead of flowing into the, the Gulf of Mexico. Well, okay, I'm glad you brought that up. I'll, I'll go that way instead of the way I was going to go. So when you talk about that, you know, I've been told, and correct me if I'm wrong, that a lot of the recent flooding that we've seen, like 2016, um, is because what used to be our natural aquifers, those fields that used to capture the water and, and be such a vital part of drainage, have been concreted over with these developments in these neighborhoods, especially south of Lafayette. So what can we do differently to keep that from happening? What you just said about the concrete, the type of concrete used, that's a big one. Uh, what else? Because I know we're way off your original topic, but this is fascinating to me. And I feel like this is something we all should pay attention to to make sure we don't have another 2016. Okay. Um, you know, it's all interrelated. And it's it, when you say it's off topic, but it's really not because it's no. everything joins together. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, we need to design more retention areas into our developments and we need to slow water down and the flow and get things to percolate back into the to the water um, to the water table and then back into the ground instead of running off. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of water here, but our aquifers, uh, you know, in some places, we have, you know, a, a, a declining aquifer situation, and and so that shouldn't be happening. We we need to, um, you know, tap in to the resources at hand, and, and do a comprehensive approach, and uh, you know, minimize the developments in the permeable, impermeable surfaces. And, you know, that kind of goes back to those multidisciplinary teams and, you know, contractors need to be involved in this discussion. So developers, folks who are wanting to develop, because that's not going to go away. I'm not, I'm not at all advocating for no more development. And I know Patty isn't either. That's going to happen whether, you know, we're here doing our good work or not. Um, we need to come to the table and compromise about these things and come up with uh, codes within our our cities and our local governments that are conducive to watershed management and conservation and flood management. And, you know, using these low impact tools in our toolbox uh, to do so. There are things, easy things that we can add, you know, to our day to day, to our developments uh, that, that I just think, you know, why aren't we talking about these things? Why aren't we we putting those things out on the table? So um, it's a it's a I know it's a a, a big conversation, but uh, it doesn't have to be um, if people would just you know sort of come together on this issue. Um, right. No, that's amazing. Um, now you are both scientists, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, not a lot of women in science. So what draw <laughs> you into the field? I mean, where was the catalyst where you were like? I am all about the math and science. I'm heading that way. Go, you go first, Patty. Well, um, I'm 63, <laughs> so there were not a lot of women in science when I first mm -hmm. started. I, I'd like to say there are now. I think I'm, they are too. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about that. Um, there's a lot of young people like Amber that are out there making a change and making it happen. 
And, um, you know, uh, my office at Fish and Wildlife um, in Lafayette, um, it's a state, it was a state office. When I started, there were, I was the only female biologist in the office, you know, 35 years ago. Um, and by the time I retired, it was more females than males in our office. So, um, you know, that's, it, it's an up and coming field. I always um, liked biology. So my, my interest was in biology. Um, I started going camping and hunting and fishing and all of a sudden it was wildlife biology all the way and uh, never looked back. But uh, so, you know, if, if you love the land, love the environment and, you know, like I did, it just was a natural fit to go into to wildlife biology for me. That's awesome. Amber, what was your catalyst? So I have a real interesting trajectory. Uh, you know, I got out of high school, you know, loved um, school. So I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Got a business degree first. And once I kind of grew up and kind of figured out who I was, I recognized I loved being outside. Um, growing up, I was a tomboy from Kaplan, loved, you know, being on the Vermilion, the Beauceau, went to, you know, my dad was from Grand Isle, we crabbed, we fished, we did all those things. It was like, you know, I can give back in some way. Uh, our, our, I'm from coastal towns. Um, and so my sort of like ammunition was, I want to be a small part of coastal restoration. I want to I don't want to see my beautiful state go away, you know, so that's why I went back to school and um, met, a, met someone at the State of the Coast Conference, which is our big coastal conference that we have every two years. The state hosts it. And uh, it was a woman. It was a female. She was an engineer, um, but she was a, a hydrology engineer who um, was advocating for, for me to work there. So I I applied and, and got a gig with this engineering firm and we do marsh creation projects. Um, we do uh, bank stabilization projects. Um, we do uh, sediment diversion projects. We, we, that was sort of the big project I worked on when I first started here. But um, yeah, it led me and it led me to these organizations because I started networking and meeting people in the city. I'm from Kaplan, moved to Lafayette 10 years ago and um, yeah, just wanted to be a part of my community. I wanted to serve my community somehow and sort of led me to, you know, more inland type work. Now I'm not working on coastal projects as frequently, but still my heart because that's where I'm from. It's where I grew up. Um, and I, I totally agree with Patty. Uh, there are way more females in the science and engineering field um, doing some amazing things. We are fearless. Women are fearless, you know, and we have so much to offer. Um, and I think we're finally like, like taking hold of our power and you know what we can do in this field um there's so much passion and so much love uh and and hard work and um good ideas and um i see it every day so it's it's really beautiful to be a part of uh, a time when when we can thrive in this field and and really uh see change happen you know so um things are a change in you know that's good awesome. stuff so yeah. um, my oldest daughter, um, who is uh, second born, and she is in her second year in uh, chemical engineering at UL. So I, I'm not a science person, um, you know, marketing, history, that's kind of where my passion is. So I love this whole push of women into science. Patty, I think you must have been a groundbreaker, uh, kind of set yeah. the tone for everybody that followed. So thank you. 
Well, yeah, Patty. I don't regret a moment. That is awesome. And we get to be in the field, which is probably my favorite part, which means we get to be outside. Where, you know, you met with some of these good old boys and they looked at you like, well, little lady. Yeah. And that kind of thing. And you just had to like persevere. Depending on where you at, you're at, sometimes I still get that. But for the most part, we're we're very well respected. You know, if you come in and you know you do your thing, you'll 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 get a, you have a voice. You have a voice at the table. You know, which I think is awesome. Awesome. That is amazing. Ladies, I want to put one more plug in for the events that we have coming up, and then I know we're about to be out of time. So, Amber, tell us about the Reviving Resilient Landscapes event. When is it? How do people get involved? Um, and what are they going to do while they're involved? Yeah. So um, Reviving Resilient Landscape Workshop, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's all about educating, demonstrating, and propagating. So um, on October 24th from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., you'll come out to Brew Bridge and hang out with Patty and I um, while you learn more about bank line restoration, stabilization, low impact strategies for um, the Bro Bridge, the Tesh, right? But then also for your own patch of grass, then you actually get to plant the plants and see the plants and touch the plants. Um, so bring out your tools, bring your shovel, your rake. Um, we'll do some mulching as well. Bring some water too um, and your mask. And um, and then um, we'll send you home with some plants um, and you get to do that on your own piece of grass at home um, and, and hopefully uh, advocate these same practices to your family and friends within our watershed community. Um, you do have to go online and purchase a ticket. Um, uh, the tickets are available at our website, bayouvermillionpreservation.org, uh, or you can just Google Bayou Vermilion Preservation Association and that'll take you to the site. Um, and, and if you go there, there'll be an Eventbrite link that you can uh, click on and, and sign up. Uh, it's free. You don't have to pay to come out and uh, provide, learn and provide a little bit of labor. Um, uh, and it's free. It, the, the reason we need you to sign up is so that we know how many plants uh, to give away while we're there. We'll also do a raffle. Um, let's see. I have this great book. Um, let's see if I can find it. Native Gardening. We're going to raffle off this book. It's by Dr. Um, I'm sorry, by William R. Fontenot, Mr. Bill. Um, and he's a huge proponent of native gardening uh, in the South. So he wrote this amazing book to help you do your landscaping at home with native plants. Um, and yeah, once you sign up, then you're good. You're golden. You can come out and join us on October 24th. Which hopefully will be a beautiful day um, and go home with some some nice plants, you know. That's awesome. And then, Patty, you've got something coming up, too. Tell us about it. Yeah, I don't know if we are. Uh, I'm trying to get that in. The Bankline Management yeah. Guide um, that the Tesh Project wrote for the uh, Bayou Tesh, but it applies to the Vermilion. It applies for most of our water, um, you know, Louis, South Louisiana waterways. It can apply to a pond. So, um, anyway, everyone who comes to the workshop gets one of those. Yeah. So, can you find it online? Can you find it online, Patty? Yeah, it's, it's, um, you can download it on our website at testproject.org. Perfect. Perfect. Ladies, thank you so much. And to everyone watching, thank you. Uh, we appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you're going to be able to support these two great causes and their upcoming events. And uh, stick around next week. We'll have another amazing Razor Branding podcast episode for you.
day is through.